We're going to see if that works today, aren't we? <clears throat> well, good morning and welcome to Bridgewater. If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. We're really excited that you are here with us today because we are kicking off a brand new series called Let's Stop Pretending, and it's all about relationships. Have you noticed that relationships are getting more and more complicated, not less and less? Let me, yes, you've, you've noticed that. Let me give you an example. Uh, when I was a senior in college, I took a chance and I asked Shana out to this event our college was doing. It was called the Late Skate. Our college had rented out a skating rink, and that's basically what it was. We went roller skating, and I bought her a cherry Coke, and that was our first date. Now, I don't think she actually considered it a date, but I definitely did. And we lived happily ever after. So, no, just kidding. Well, while we were there, my friend Steve took a picture of us. And later that afternoon, he sent it to me. And so when class rolled around on Monday, I made sure I sat right behind Shayna. And I was like, hey, Steve took a picture of us. Can you send me your email and I'll send it to you? And I was, I was pretty excited about this because this was way before you could slide into anyone's DMs or send them a snap. And so she reluctantly gave me her email and we began emailing each other every single day. I mean, this was, this was it, right? Now, I worked really hard at keeping this relationship on the down low because, hard to believe, I harassed so many guys on campus about their relationships that I knew that this was going to come back around. So I worked extra hard. I think she worked extra hard, too, because she really wasn't sure about me at all. But we kept on pursuing each other, kept on develop, developing this relationship. And, and you've noticed, right, that relationships have become more and more challenging, more and more complicated, right? You, uh, back in the day, you used to meet somebody here at church or at school or at work. That's just how it started, right? But now with technology, you can literally meet somebody from anywhere in the world and start a relationship, right? There's more guys available, ladies, on the internet, Guys, there's more ladies available on the internet. And I'm not saying this is good or bad, but there's more options, so better odds, right? More complicated, exactly. So it just creates more additional challenges. But today, I want to let you know that there is literally one thing that all good relationships have in common. That's what I want to share with you today. So if you have your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> While you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of context. You see, Paul traveled all over the Roman Empire, working with churches, ministering to them, and writing them letters. And he's ministering to this church in Rome. And, and this church is filled with Jewish believers and non-Jewish believers, and they are divided on how to follow Jesus. And so as he's writing them, as he's answering their questions, okay, what do you do on the Sabbath? Should you follow the Sabbath? Should you not follow the Sabbath? Should you eat meat? Should you eat only food that is kosher? Like, what do you do? He begins to explain the gospel, one of the best explanations of the gospel, because the gospel unites believers. And as he's writing this letter, he gets onto this topic of relationships. So Romans chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put the verse on the screen behind me. Verse 9, here's what Paul says. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. 
hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. So he says, don't just pretend. This idea of, of pretending carries the idea of being sincere. The noun form of that is to be a hypocrite. He says, don't be a hypocrite, right? In, in the Greek world, the first century, when they had plays and comedies and dramas, the, the actors, they would wear masks to give a picture of the emotion that they were supposed to be having. So they would put on a happy mask or a sad mask or an angry mask. And that was to portray the emotion that the character was having at that moment on the stage. And Paul is saying, don't just put on a mask. Don't just pretend. And then when your friend turns their back on you, stab them in the back or begin to gossip or slander them or talk trash about them, but really love others. Don't just be a hypocrite, but be sincere in your love. In the first century, when artists would make sculptures out of marble, sometimes those sculptures would have defects. They would have cracks. They would have little chips. And so what they would do is they would take some marble and some wax, and they would mix it up, and they would fill in those, those nooks and those crannies and those gaps and all of those defects and blemishes. And then when they would go to sell it, they would tell you, that this was a perfect sculpture without any cracks or any blemishes. You would buy it, take it home, and then on a hot summer day, the wax would begin to melt and the guy's nose would start to drip, right? Because it wasn't real. I mean, it was mostly real. And then artists and sculptors would begin to create these sculptures, and they would say, this is sans seer. This is without wax. It really is legit. It, what you see is what you get. And that is what Paul is saying. Don't just pretend. Be, be sincere. Be sincere in your love towards others. If you want to love someone, if you do love someone, if you're striving to love others, don't be a hypocrite. But really strive to be. This is what you see. This is what you get. And he says, here's how you do it. Hate what is wrong. Put aside all of the evil and really begin to hate the things that God hates and love what is good. Love and pursue the things that God loves. Love the people, love people and see people how God sees them, how God loves them. And in that, you will be sincere. But that's not all what he says. Take a look at what he says in verse 10. He says, love each other with genuine affection, right? This brotherly love and delight and honoring each other. That's what he's getting after. That if you want to have real relationships that are flourishing, whether they're romantic or platonic, that there really needs to be this honor. This is so important. It's so important that when God gives commands to kids, he says, honor your mother and father. It's so important that when Peter gives instructions to husbands, he says, husbands, you need to honor your wives. In fact, if you don't honor your wives, your prayers will be hindered. So it's so important, men, that as a husband, you honor your wife. God takes it so seriously in all of our relationships that he says, when you talk to God, if you're not honoring your wife, your prayers might be hindered. So it's really a big deal in all of our relationships, right? Honor, it's this idea of giving financial value. It's like an honorarium. Hey, I value you. I'm lifting you up. I find you incredibly valuable. 
If Josh Allen walked in here, because he's obviously not playing in a Super Bowl today, right? <clears throat> Either are the Eagles, okay. But if he walked in here, right, even if you were a football fan or a Bills fan, whatever fan you were, or no fan, if you saw him or someone pointed him out, you would be excited. You'd probably take a picture of him. If, if you could get close enough to get a picture with him, you would honor him. You would talk to him. You would think, oh, wow, that was cool. Even if you didn't care about football, you would go home. And you'd be like, guess what? Josh Allen was here at church today. It was so amazing. You don't even watch football. I know, but Josh Allen was here, right? And if somehow you got in a conversation with him and he was talking to you, you wouldn't be sitting there going, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah. Right? You would pay attention. You, you, would, you would honor that. You'd go, I don't even know this guy, but he's here. And he's important. He's significant, but... You know, we're not just supposed to honor celebrities and professional athletes. God has called us to honor everyone. It should be like, you know what? Ken Foster's here, right? Ken is here. Oh, my word. Like, I want to talk to him. I, like, God has put him in my life, and I should lift him up as I talk to him, as I interact with him, and I should be doing that with Everybody. Because when you remove honor from a relationship, it destroys it. But when you begin to infuse honor into a relationship, no matter what the relationship is, it does incredible things. Here's how the ESV puts it. Romans 12, same verse, different translation. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another and showing honor. Just think about that for a moment. What would it look like? Now, now there's a competition, all right, to outdo everybody in showing honor. That we're going to work hard at lifting people up. We're going to lift, lift, lift them up and appreciate them, praise them, talk highly about them, even when they're not in the room. We're going to look for ways to honor them. Because the one thing that every good relationship has in common is honor. It is the linchpin to every good relationship. Whether you're married, whether you're dating, whether you're single, single again, divorced, widowed, whatever relationship, whether you're a parent-child relationship, employer-employee relationship, neighbor relationship, whatever the relationships are, whatever relationships you find yourself in, honor is one of the most important things you can have in that relationship. And so we have to begin to infuse that into all of our relationships. So think about it. You ever notice how things are, are treated differently based on how much they cost? You ever gone to like Wegmans or Walmart and you see someone with their brand new sports car and they're in the back of the lot parked crooked over like three parking spots? I always try to park as close as possible to that car <clears throat> or truck. Amen. You try to park as close to them as possible. So I'm just kidding. But they, they do that because in their mind, they've assigned value to that vehicle. And, I, and I've seen teenagers in youth group where they will not bend over a certain way because 
it'll put like a crease or wrinkle in their shoes because they have a sign, you laugh, it's true. Watch a teenager with a brand new pair of white shoes and then drop a, a $10 bill on the ground and see how they pick it up. It'll be amusing, right? They will, they will contort themselves in all sorts of weird ways to not put any type of crease or wrinkle in that shoe because they've assigned value to that, that item, right? But who is it that assigns value to that car or that shoe or that purse? It's the manufacturer. And who's the manufacturer of you? It's God. Psalm 139 says this. It says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God had purpose in his mind when he created you. Every single person in this room has value. Every single person in the world has value. It wasn't like God just kind of turned his back on the production line for a moment. All of a sudden, ching, 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 you came out. He thought about you. He made you with intent and purpose. I want to give you another illustration of what this looks like. Keith, can you come up here? Keith has no idea what he's about to do. <clears throat> Am I sitting? No, Keith, I'm going to lift you up on this chair. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not literally lift you up. But here, stand up here, buddy. There you go. Awesome. All right. Now, I have lifted, maybe not literally, lifted my friend Keith up. And now Keith has a different perspective. He sees everything differently. Yeah. <laughs> and when you lift people up, they not only see things differently, experience things differently, but they begin to live their lives differently. This is an illustration of honor, that we ought to lift people up. And we ought to talk about them in a way that is lifting them up. We ought to praise them in a way that is lifting them up. You can go ahead and get down now. Thank you. I wish our stage was that high. It's not. Let's work on that. Thank you. Maybe. But what do we want to do? We don't want to lift people up. We want to climb up there ourselves. We want to tear people down. We want to push people out of the way. Do whatever we got to do to win to be at the top. And so I'm going to devalue people. I'm going to use my sarcasm and my wit to tear them, tear them down. I'm going to use my words and my actions to belittle people. And I'm going to treat them in a way that says, you have no value. But God has called us to outdo one another in honoring everybody in every relationship. And so what does this look like? What does this look like? Maybe you're single. Imagine what would it look like if we began to outdo one another in all of our relationships, whether you're interested in dating or not, right? Both of those are good desires to want to be in a relationship and to, and to not want to be in a relationship. But as a single person, what if you began to, what if, whether it was romantic or platonic, you didn't look at your relationships no more than just, than just what they were. I'm going to honor people. I'm going to lift them up. This relationship isn't for my own pleasure. This relationship isn't for my own enjoyment. But I'm beginning to look at others. And I'm beginning to outdo other people. My friends, my coworkers, my classmates, I'm beginning to outdo them with honor. And so ladies, 
if you are single or single again, you should look for a guy, if you're interested in dating, who's honoring others. In fact, you can look at all of his relationships and see how he treats his parents, his coworkers, his classmates, people at church, his teammates, and you can just take an inventory. How does he honor people? Not just me, because right now, if he's pursuing you, he's probably going to put his best foot forward. But how does he look at other people? How does he treat other people? How does he talk about them when they're not in the room? Does he honor them? Guys, you want to know if a, if a woman is worth pursuing? You can do the same thing. How does she interact with her parents? How does she interact with her friends? How does she interact with her boss? How does she interact with her classmates? How does she talk about her friends when they're not in the room? And take an inventory. Do they honor people? Maybe you are dating. You are in a relationship. You're, you're dating somebody or you're engaged or, or whatever, and you just look at this individual. What would it look like to infuse honor into that relationship? Let me tell you, if your boyfriend or girlfriend or your fiance is, is asking you to have sex, that's not honoring. You should take a big step back and go, oh, wait, wait, wait. God has called me to save that for marriage. And so if you're not honoring me, if you're not honoring this relationship, what are you doing? What's it going to look like when we do get married? And so what if we began to infuse honor in every single area of our relationship? How do I honor my boyfriend? How do I honor my girlfriend? One, you can show appreciation for them. How you talk to them, how you spend time with them, how you interact with them, how you talk about them. You can show reverence and respect for them. That doesn't mean you're a doormat. It doesn't mean that you lay down and do everything that they say, but you're lifting them up. Even even though they're not perfect. Third, you give them praise. You talk greatly, highly about them, even when they're not in the room. But what about parents and kids? Imagine what it would look like to really honor your kids. Yes, they still have to obey you, mom and dad. Kids, what would it look like to honor mom and dad? What would it look like to honor your guardian, your grandparents? That we would listen to them. We would lift them up highly, talk about them. But I know some of you, you're single, and it's been a struggle. It's been a real challenge. You wish your past relationships weren't what they were, but you found yourself in this situation. You wouldn't have written it out that way, but here you are. Here's what 1 Timothy 1.5 says. The purpose, the purpose of my instructions is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. That, that if I'm struggling, whether a married person or a single person, let my love come from a clear heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. All three of those should be pushing that. It means I, I need to work at being content. At whatever stage of life I'm at, no matter what my relationships look like, because here's what I know. That if you're single and you're, you're wrestling through that singleness and you grow in that contentment, God will, will use that. He'll equip you for other relationships, maybe to walk alongside other people in their situations, to know how to be kind and merciful, to know how to be tough when you need to be tough. But he'll use that. 
And, and if one day you do get married, God will use all of that as he shapes your marriage because now you've learned what it looks like to be content. I've learned to be content in my singleness. And then God blesses you with a spouse. Now you know, okay, this relationship isn't everything. Here's what Sam Alberry says. He says, the issue is not the state of marriage or the state of singleness. Both are gifts. The issue is our heart and what is motivating us. So what's motivating you? Because so many times when I look at people and I evaluate what's going on in their lives and their relationships and their scenarios, they're motivated by status, by having companionship, pleasure, enjoyment. But what if the thing that was motivating us is I want to see all of these relationships the way that God sees them. I want to honor people in my relationships because the one thing that every good relationship has in common is honor. That's all it is. It's, it's honor. So imagine. Imagine what would happen if we made honor. Go ahead and give me the next slide. We made honor that one thing that just infused all of our relationships. So what does it look like? Let me give you some ideas on what that looks like. Number one, first of all, ask God, is there anyone that I've dishonored? That's something that all of us need to do. God, is there anybody in my life, anybody in my sphere of influence that I've dishonored? And if God brings somebody to mind, we should deal with that. We should go to that individual and say, hey, you know what? I was thinking about it today or over the weekend, and I realized I've not been honoring this relationship. I've not been honoring you. Here's what I've done. Here's what I've said. My attitude has not been honoring. And just let them know, hey, what I did was wrong. Will you forgive me? That would be a next step for many of us. Next, honor people with your word. Use your words, use your speech, use the communication tools that you have to honor them. Whether you're talking or texting or posting things on social media, use your words to honor people. Next, honor others with your actions and reactions. Right, you can say something with a certain attitude and action, and it can communicate love, and it can communicate that I care, and it can communicate honor. I can say the exact same sentence with a completely different attitude, and it would be dishonoring. It would be devaluing to that person. Be present. You want to infuse more honor to your relationship, take your phone and just turn it off and really be there. Don't try to have a conversation while you're checking and scrolling, but if you really honor them, be present with your kids, with your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your friends, your coworkers, your employer, your employees, be present and show up on time. If you say you're going to be there, 
than actually be there. Arrive on time. Make sure this relationship is important, and so I'm going to make sure that if, if we're driving across town, I'm going to make sure I get there. If it's lunch, breakfast, coffee outing, we're going roller skating. I'm going to show up on time. Number next, ask for input. You want to honor somebody? Ask for input. Take their, their, their contribution and really consider it. It doesn't mean that you have to do everything that everybody else says, but ask them, hey, hey, what do you think we should do about this? Where would you like to go? And then do it. Next, own your sin. Right? It goes along with the first one. If, if I've dishonored you, I'm going to take my part of the pie, whatever that part of the pie is, and I'm going to say, this was on me. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't because you were late. It wasn't because they pushed my buttons. I did this. It's all me. Next, give way to others' preferences. All right, where do you want to go to eat today? Where do you want to go tonight? All right, let's do that idea. That's a way you can show honor. Even though that wouldn't be your choice, even though that wouldn't be your preference, ask them, hey, what would you prefer to do? Where would you like to go? What would you enjoy to do tonight? And do that. Lastly, here's my challenge for you today that you would honor one person every single day this week. Imagine what would happen to our relationships if every single day you looked for somebody to lift up, to praise, to encourage, not to step over or step on or tear down, but you looked for one person every single day honor. Imagine how that would change our work environment, our friendships, our relationships, our dating, our marriage, with our kids, if every single day we looked for one person to honor. Let me pray with you. God, you are amazing. We know you've put us in some really great relationships, some interesting, some challenging, some have been filled with dishonor. And so we know that the challenge to honor others in our relationships brings quite a challenge. But we also know that your word is clear, that you have called us to outdo one another in honoring them. And so I just ask that you would go before us as we, as we kick off this series, that you would breathe new life into the relationships that are in this building. The friendships, the romantic relationships, the marriages, that new life would be breathed in as we begin to take every single day and honor others. That we would begin to see people the way that you see them and love people the way that you love them. And we just want to give you the glory and thanks for what you're going to do. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Will you guys?